is game week. Yes, indeed. It is game week. We welcome you to the Baseball Elite Podcast on this Monday. Kyle Elfrick and Ray Flowers. Yes, getting set to make decisions, to look at lineups, to look at box scores. Ray, it's almost here. Just a few more days of waiting. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's such a long, the season is so long and everyone always says, oh, the season's so long and some people love it and some people hate it. I'm here to tell you the preseason is long. (laughs) (laughs) That's the long part. The four months before the year begins, before we actually get games that count, that's the long part, Kyle. And of course, the previous six weeks, two months, three months, you've been in drafts. I mean, you've been doing industry drafts all over the place. Any this week? Do you have any this late in the game that are playing before Thursday? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And the answer is, yeah, actually, we okay. do. Um, this Wednesday on the Elite Sports Show, Jeff Manns and I, uh, that's four to six Eastern time, we'll be hosting the SiriusXM uh, Experts League draft. And the way this is coming down is, hey, you know, we're doing what we can. We're being good company men and all that. But the bottom line is we're hosting the draft and we're doing a team together, I think. Ah. As we record this, that's the plan. So whatever one ever, of- wait a second. Stop there. Yeah. Right? Have you ever co-managed a team? I've never known you to do that. I, I did with Ryan Houston back in the fanball days. <laughs> um, and it's so funny. I think uh, like everyone, you know, all the teams were under Ryan's name. I did all the work. Um, and we finished one year, like 22nd in the NFBC or something like that. And it's, it's under Ryan's name and it's like, oh, okay. So I I haven't done a a co-managed team in 15 years, 12 years, something like that. Kyle, it's been a long time. Well, I hate to break it to you, Ray, but uh, knowing Jeff, he's also going to put that team under his name And, and unless you're struggling and then, you know, come July, suddenly your name will be put on the list. Yeah, well, and, and Jeff will probably also decide come July that if it's, it's going well, he'll still pay attention. If it's not, he's just going to do football. So I might be needed, Kyle, we'll say. Loads of things uh, to talk about on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. And of course, uh, for many of you, uh, this is your weekly get-together with Ray and I, but uh, you need to know that there are actually three get-togethers every week. Um, as all of our subscribers uh, know at uh, Guru Elite, uh, we, we set you up with uh, a midweek podcast we set you up with a weekend podcast but you must be a subscriber monday you get for free but uh, we invite you back for those other uh, couple of podcasts so much information day after day after day during the baseball season and we break it down for you get you set for everything that you need to know um always like to start the podcast with our starting nine kind of give you a preview of what we're going to talk about over the next hour so let's get into it leading off uh we'll talk about the advent yes it's here of fantasy decisions. You've got decisions in the preseason with with, uh, drafting and when to go after this guy, when to go after that guy. Now the decisions begin in season and there's already a big one. If you took a uh, shot on Shohei Atani, we've kind of talked about it in the abstract. Now we have it in the flesh. What to do with Otani? What do you do when you know you've got a game week coming? Where do you play him? Do you play him? Uh, We've got our first real run through here in week one of the baseball season. So we'll start there. We'll talk about the other L.A. pitching staff in our two hole. Um, Is it possible? And it might be to have too many arms. The Dodgers might have that problem and it's making problems for us in the fantasy game. In the three spot today in our starting nine, we'll talk about some decisions that teams have made in baseball as we come out of spring training. Who's got the job here? Who's got the job there? We'll run through some of the more notable decisions. Our player profile, we'll take a look at Boston Red Sox leadoff hitter Enrique Hernandez. In the five spot, we'll talk about in-season managing. Um, Specifically, we're going to talk about the waiver wire. 
Uh, some of you did draft, say, three, four weeks ago. You might have your first waiver wire period before the season coming up over the next day or two. We'll talk about some strategies there. Also taking a look at the six hole at some of the names that you might be looking to add after some of the news that came out of spring training. Seven spot will get you up to date on some MLB news and notes, random reference at nine and the stamp of approval at nine. I should say random reference at eight stamp of approval at nine. So Ray, let's get into it. Let's lead off with Shohei Atani. Um, we've talked a lot about him on the podcast. We've only been doing this a month, but I feel like uh, almost every podcast we're talking about Otani, uh, who obviously was stellar on the hill, excellent at the plate, had a phenomenal spring training. Might be the story of spring training, really, when you when you stop to take a look at it. Uh, we got news from Joe Madden, his manager, that Shohei Otani is scheduled uh, to pitch on Sunday, six days from today, next Sunday, uh, taking on the Chicago White Sox Sunday night baseball. So ESPN's very happy to have Shohei Itani on the hill. But right now we have the decision for the fantasy player because, okay, Sunday start, that's cool. A lot of people, especially in weekly leagues, Ray, this is a week and a half that they will have in week one. With the season starting on Thursday, um, it just won't be a four-day week. They're going to tack on the next week, kind of making it an 11-day week in head-to-head leagues. And now you've got this big decision on Otani. You know, what do you do? do? Do you start him for that game on Sunday? Do you like the matchup? Does he get a second start the following week? Do you miss out on all the hitting? Uh, let let the debate begin, Ray. Yeah. Uh, don't play head-to-head. Problem solved. Hey! Um, too late that, for that. <laughs> it's way too late for that. Uh, yeah. Our understanding of the, that situation is, right, that they're going to go with a six-man rotation, the Angels, and it's going to be a straight six-man rotation. So it's not going to be, hey, Otani only pitches on Sundays. It's going to be, we're going to go six guys, six guys, you know, and so you can plot out the way it looks, you know, for the matchups and what the expectations likely will be. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, if I'm in a head-to-head setup, uh, I I know that he Otani's thrown well and thrown hard and all that kind of stuff. I really wouldn't want to miss the bat for for that week and a half. I mean, you know, it's like there's got to be other guys you could feel more confident in, uh, you know, making multiple starts or having as good or better matchups. And you know, the the volatility that that Otani brings with the arm at this point, so you know, it's a little elevated. So I would think people would want to use the bat for that period of time. But you know, again. You can you can pull a calendar out and plot things down with him and decide if, if you'd rather go in the other direction. I just don't think I would. Well, and if you pull a calendar out, Ray, um, it's quote unquote a two start week right. for Shohei Atani. Um, now, a lot of people are going to have two start weeks. This is a weird week. It's the start of the season. They begin the season on a Thursday. And like I noted, a lot of head to head leagues and, uh, you know, we'll pull that a week and a half. And, and so if you look at it, Ray, with a six man rotation, he gets a start on Sunday against the White Sox. That's a home game Sunday night. The next start would be the following Sunday on April 11th at Toronto. Now, I, I don't want to say Toronto and Chicago are world beaters, but Ray, both those offenses yeah. um, are probably two of the best in the American League. Yep. So you even have this question of, do I like the matchups for Shohei Atani? And, you know, two-start week, like I said, usually you just roll with the guy. You don't even care who the matchups are as long as they're not in Colorado. You just roll. But there's a lot of guys with two-start weeks, so he doesn't even have that edge versus the other guys you might be looking at this week. Absolutely. And so, you know, are they going to let him throw 98 pitches if he struggles through three innings or they just back him off? You know, we, we don't we don't know. It's the first week. Things are going to get freaky, right? Everyone needs to expect that. We don't, you know, a week from now, we'll be doing podcasts here for, for uh, Fantasy Guru, and we'll be like, oh, this guy threw 78 pitches. This guy threw 72 pitches. And then we'll be trying to figure out, is that the plan? Is that because it was the first start? Is that because the third inning was rough? Like, 
people have to understand and accept the volatility this year and the uncertainty. And, and in the case of Otani, it's elevated just because it's Otani and everything going on with him. So then when you add all that other stuff in, it's to me, it's just a, it's a risk that I, you know, I really wouldn't want to take. I would love to see him pitch once and make that decision. Obviously in a head to head setup, you can't do that. Um, so like you're saying, you, you've got to make the choice. Now the matchups are not good. Um, and I, and again, just since we're talking about head to head, if you are in a head to head league, that's only playing this week, or even if you're in a roto league that's only playing this week, make sure your pitchers are starting. Because there's a lot of guys that aren't going to get starts this week that you might have rostered because they're just not going to get their game. You know, they're not playing five games this week or whatever. So that's something to think about too. It's not just Otani that's affected. If even if you're doing the the two week span, everyone could be affected if they're doing the shorter span as well. And and let's throw out there too, just to remind everybody because you know Otani really didn't have this situation last year because he didn't pitch. You know, they just took him off the hill and they wanted him to recover. They wanted him to be a hitter. But the assumption, Ray, and again, we'll have to see how it plays off. But the assumption is okay, he plays Thursday, he plays Friday. More than likely, he doesn't play Saturday. He pitches Sunday. He doesn't play Monday. They play the very next day. Then he plays Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, probably sits next Saturday on April 10th and then pitches hopefully on April 11th. So you're looking at like five hitting appearances in the first like 10 or 11 games here for Shohei And that's with the assumption that he doesn't play the day before he pitches and he probably doesn't play the day after he pitches. Yeah, and I think that really, if if you have Otani on your squad and you're in a head-to-head setup and you're just starting to think about this now, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. This should have been well, a- You should have thought about this on draft day. Exactly, yeah. right? And, you know, if you're in a league, and I've seen a lot of people say this to me, I kind of have this thought about Otani, Ray, but I'm in a league where you can change your lineup daily and I have one Otani. What's his value? Well, that's totally different because then you can move him around all over the place. You can pitch him, you can hit him. You can slide him in and out of your lineup when you hear if he's going to play or not. Like, that's totally different. If you're in a scenario where you're just setting it and you got to make, especially if you've got to make the decision with the pitching or the hitting side, it, there is a lot of managing that's involved. There's a lot of decision making that's involved. It's something that's a broad discussion. Cause like you're saying, even if you want to, oh, I'm going to use him for his hitting, he's not playing every day. He's not getting the same amount of bats in a head to head setup. You know, if bats are pretty darn important, right? Even if he's great on a per bat basis, if he's only getting two thirds of the at bats of the other team's UT guy, okay. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. And, and hopefully, again, that someone has, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about whether they wanted to do this, manage this, and how it would work for them before looking just at these this first setup. Yeah, he, he's an exciting player to own and to have on your fantasy team, but he's also a guy that uh, you need to be on your toes when you decide what you're going to do with Shohei Atani. Let's go to the two spot in the starting nine, and, and let's head north on the freeway, Ray, and, and move away from Anaheim and head to Los Angeles proper and talk about the Dodgers. Um, speaking of decisions being made, speaking of pitching staffs in Southern California, uh, the LA Dodgers, um, we do not know right now who their fifth starter is. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, could it be David Price? We're, we're pretty well set on the fourth, but David Roberts refused to give us the fifth starter when asked about it. So here's another thing. And maybe we get the news by midweek. Maybe we get the news by Thursday. But right now you kind of look at the Dodgers and you have the, these guys are drafted everywhere, Price, Gonsolin, and, and May. And you're wondering, well, do I start these guys in, in my longer week for the, for the beginning of the season? Kyle, I got some inside info on this. Hit me with it. It's not going to clarify it at all, but I got some inside information. <laughs> uh, last night on the GM's Corner on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 7 to 9 Eastern, Jim Bowden and myself, we actually talked to Andrew Friedman 
the president of the Dodgers. Aha. So you and got the answer, right? We, I got the, well, yes and no, because we, of course, <laughs> asked this question, right? And his response was, well, we're going to sit down on Monday and talk about it and decide this week. So <laughs> I know the answer. They're actually talking about it today. But um, are they going to tell us? That's I don't question. know the answer to that question. Um, and it's it's one of those things that, and he, you know, he did a very good job of, um, in that interview, talking about the Dodgers' depth and everything. He made, and this is now me reading what he said, he certainly made it seem like they're going to have 12, 15, 18 guys start games this year. Like that's, <laughs> you know, what they have done in the past is what they're going to do again. Uh, he mentioned the age of guys. He mentioned workloads. Like it was all, all these guys are making starts. Okay. Now the question is, you know, do Gonsolin and May make six starts? Are they three innings spot start? You know, eh. um, I hope that we make, we get some clarification this week, but again, teams have already been drafted. Like it doesn't change that people have to make decisions on the, on their starting lineups, of course, like you said. So hopefully we know then, because otherwise, you know, they got it. They got to say by Thursday, don't they? I mean, let's hope that people have the information when they're actually required to set their lineups for the first matchup. They may not say by Thursday and I'll tell you why, Ray. Okay. Um, and, and this goes for everybody who owns Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, Trevor Bauer, Julio Urias. Um, have you looked at the schedule this week for the Dodgers? Late on, first gone. four games are at Coors Field. It's a trip to Colorado. So, Ray, the reason I say they may not tell us on Thursday is they got to see what they do with their bullpen through four games in Colorado to start the season. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you blow through your bullpen? Are you asking Dustin May on opening day to throw three innings? Well, if he's needed to throw three innings on opening day, he's probably not pitching you know, four days later. Um, And of course the entire weekend, it's been a story for 20 years. When you go to Denver, Ray, your bullpen just gets beat up. And and this is not a three game series. This is a four game series in Denver, Colorado. Beyond that, it is the opening series of the year. Uh, The Dodgers have the best pitching in baseball, but they're going to be tested right out of the gate. We may get to see all of this depth depth through the first four games. We, We very well may. And it's the it's a strength of a team, and that's the frustrating part. The Dodgers know what they've got, and they've got stars all over the place. They've got stars that won't be starting. They have stars that will be in swing roles. Like they, they've got options and talent everywhere, and you need it because, as we have seen already, with games not even technically started yet, guys are getting hurt every single day, every day. Guys going down, big players, mid-level players, low-level doesn't matter. They're all going down with injuries. So the Dodgers have put themselves in an excellent position as an organization with all their pitching depth. It's frustrating. It's uncertain. You're totally right about the, the matchup in Colorado. You know, humidor or not, it's still what, about the best place to, to have offense in baseball. Um, you know, there, there still are games there where it's 14 to 12. It still happens. Um, and, you know, if you get a game or two like that early, it could change their plans for at least the short run in terms of that rotation. And, and just, you know, we're talking about the fifth spot in the rotation and people who own, you know, Gonsolin or Price or May. Ray, if this series, a four-game set in Colorado, if that were taking place in July, there are a lot of people who would not pitch Clayton Kershaw. They wouldn't pitch Walker Bueller even. I I have to think everybody's sending them out there just because it's the start of the season and you want to see your ace pitcher throw for you. But let's be honest, it's a bad – there may not be a worse matchup this year for guys like Bueller and Bauer and Kershaw than what we have coming up this weekend with Colorado because – Okay, it's Colorado. That's bad as is. But especially right at the start of the season, you know, you don't really know is Walker Bueller built. Like, let's say he's pitching well against the Rockies. Is he built for six innings through spring? I don't know. 
I, I'm going to guess probably not. I mean, Walker Buehler could be pitching well, right? And he gets out after four innings. So I, I think everybody's starting those guys, but this is one of those instances of you think you have your ace and already in the first week, you're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of shaken just a bit to see if you put them in your lineup. True. Um, I also think the inclination obviously is to act, have them active. I mean, you don't take your second round pick and put them on the bench for most people, right? Um, I personally know that I'm t- petrified of uh, Elias Diaz, Josh Fuentes. I mean, those guys are scared. It's not like this is the right. It's not the, the Bronx. You with still the, have Blackman in story. You have story. a 300 hitter in Tapia. They've got CJ Crone is a 30 home run guy. Yeah. They, Ryan you know, but, McMahon's going to break out this of year. Course, of that. course. Of yeah. course. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not the team of yesteryear. It's not the, the Blake street bombers of the past, but it is still, you know, it's still Colorado. So yeah, it, it's, it's something that I wouldn't suggest people, bench Kershaw I really wouldn't but it is something that you know if you considered it you're not in the wrong yeah you consider it but I think you still put them out there I'm not telling anybody to bench these guys uh play them and and hey you might send Walker Buehler out there regardless of Colorado you knew when you drafted the Dodgers there will be nights in Colorado where you have to make that decision boom right from the get-go we get one of those decisions in 2021. Uh, speaking of decisions, let's go to the three spot and talk about teams that have made decisions. And uh, some of these decisions made over the weekend, Ray, um, are notable for fantasy players uh, starting in Cincinnati. Uh, we got the news over the weekend. As good as Amir Garrett has been, he's not necessarily the closer in Cincinnati. Uh, take that for what it may be to you. I, I don't know if he's not, but he's not the lockdown only guy that Cincinnati plans to look at. And then the other issue is a Eugenio Suarez. Uh, Ray, we, we heard hints of this. We saw him in the lineup in the month of March, and now we're going to get to uh, see it for the start of the season. It looks like a Eugenio Suarez is going to be the everyday shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, it, it does. Now, I know when I look at Eugenio Suarez, I think Omar Vizquel. Like, that's the second thought that comes into my <laughs> Like, he, he does he look like a shortstop? I'm just, uh, okay. Um, he, he was a shortstop. This is not a scenario where a team is asking a guy to do something he's never done before. So, you know, we have to say that. Um, same time, he, you know, last time he played five games at shortstop in the big leagues was 2015. It's been a long time since he's, you know, been remotely close to a guy that was out there consistently at shortstop. Um, it's great for him offensively as long as he doesn't let the defense get in his head. Well, that's now- what I was going to ask. I, I guess for the fantasy player, Ray, this is this all gravy? Because the gravy is okay. I got a third base shortstop, and yeah. hey, he's still a power bat yep. who can pop 35 homers. But maybe what you're getting to is you just hope that the move and the defensive responsibilities doesn't distract him from what he's trying to do at the plate. Exactly. And, it you know, it's quite possible that it does. You know, a couple of errors, he starts getting in his head, then the offense. I mean, you know, we're playing the game of what could, but that could be a path that goes down. But as long as his defense doesn't get in his head, we now have another shortstop, like we need one, right? That's like the deepest <laughs> position anyway. But now we've got another shortstop. He qualifies at third base as well. That gives him middle and corner. All of a sudden, I have Iwan Suarez on multiple teams too. So I'm feeling much better about this potentiality. Um, we now get uh, Mike Moustakis, who's going to move to third base. So Moustakis will now be first, second, and third. So he gets another position, which is fantastic. He's played third, of course, before. So that's not a problem for him either defensively. And then we got Jonathan India. Um I've gotten a lot of questions about Jonathan India. Let's and I, 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 we talked about this last night, Jim Bowden and I too. Um, and I said, look, can you tell me that Jonathan India is any different than Jerickson Profar right now? And he hemmed and hawed a little bit, and eventually he kind of said, not really. 
because they're not. I mean, Jonathan India might be a 300 hitter one day and he might do these things one day. But right now, I think Jonathan India is a combination of jerks and Profar and Adam Frazier. So, you know, don't mistake a guy having a great spring, a guy with a lot of talent who's going to have a great career for being a fantasy star. I think the India getting in there gives people an option if they want to take a guy in the 30th round. But uh-huh. it's about Mustakis and Suarez gaining eligibility. That's the bigger story. What do you make of the Garrett news? Um, you know, Amir Garrett's the guy everybody's drafting to be the closer. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's he's the guy for Cincinnati? Or do you, do you buy into this report that, oh, wow, we got a you know tough hitter coming up in the eighth inning. Let's bring in Garrett, and then we'll turn to Sean Doolittle in the ninth inning. Yeah, I, I kind of hope not. But let's be honest. If you're managing this team, Kyle, who would you trust to get the heart out, Doolittle or Garrett? I think we all know the answer. (laughs) And if the tough outs in the eighth inning, then who pitches? And I think that's, you know, it's Connor. It's, and again, this is why, this is why using relievers for saves is dumb because we all know Doolittle is not the most talented guy. He's behind Sims too, in terms of talent right now. But if the, if the game is on the line in that seventh inning, it's Garrett coming. It's not Doolittle. You're not bringing Doolittle in guys on second and third to give up a three run home run. You're not doing that. So I think that's part of it. You and I talked about it too, that, you know, Garrett has all of one save in his career, so there's some uncertainty there. He's got issues with the walk at times, got issues with the home run at times. Um, I think teams are more willing than ever to let these situations play themselves out. You know, they tell these guys, like you and I have discussed, right? They tell these guys, you're working at the end of the games. You're getting important out for us. Sometimes it might be the seventh. Sometimes it might be the eighth. Sometimes it be the ninth. Be ready. And mm-hmm. we're off. And I think that Garrett is still the guy that I would prefer, but I've never looked at Garrett this year and thought to myself, that guy's a lock for 25 saves. Well, and, and of course, Cincinnati's just doing what the rest of baseball is doing. You know, Arizona, they, they came out publicly and said, we don't have a clear cut closer. Uh, so we'll have to follow that situation. Uh, Texas, once the injury happened to Jose Leclerc, it, it became a welcome to all comers kind of competition. And we got the news over the weekend that Texas has decided that Ian Kennedy and Matt Bush will make this roster. So, those are two names we're going to be following. Um, other decisions made this week. David Bodie is your starting second baseman for the Cubs. Uh, Nate Lau, a low, gets the uh, first base job with Texas. Uh, Jazz Chisholm wins the second base job with the Marlins. Uh, Ray Jed Lowry <clears throat> gets the second base job with Oakland. Ray's take, not a fan. Of take Jed Jazz. Lowry. Take give it a shot. Take to Jazz. jazz. Okay. Um, here was the other decision that caught my eye. Uh, both Carter Keyboom and Scott Kingry sent to the minors. Yikes. Both those guys were drafted two weeks ago, Ray. People were, were taking them as, uh, you know, post-hype sleepers, guys who have a starting job. Kingery going to be the center fielder. Key boom, the third baseman. Both guys will begin in the minor leagues. So um, I'm going to do something that people say I never do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say I was totally right about Key boom. That's something I always do. Um, <laughs> but I was totally wrong about Scott Kingery. So the people that think I never say I'm, I'm wrong, I, I'm saying it. I was totally wrong. And there, this is not, you know, this doesn't mean that Kingery has no value this year and his season's over and his career has got none of that stuff, but it's very d- distressing. I, I, I personally have Kingery on like four of my teams. Like, and I'm, I had to go to the waiver wire this week and make moves because, you know, I didn't want to drop him. So I'm going to hold for a little bit here, but I had to make moves to get a middle infielder in one league, to get a fifth outfielder in another league. I had to make moves. And, you know, that caused me to drop other players that I necessarily didn't want to let go. I was going to say, did you drop Kingery in any of those leagues or are you holding on to him? I'm holding on to him for now. I, I didn't drop Kingery in, in, in two of the leagues that I have Kingery. I had injured, injured players. So I was able to just slot them on and then pick a player up. So I didn't have to drop anyone. 
in the in the other league where I had to make a move, uh, I forget who I dropped, uh, but I I kept Kingery. So I did not drop Kingery. But you know, if I get two more injuries this week, you know, Kingery's the first guy that's got to go. And uh, you know, the, the 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 saving grace for him is Odabel Herrera. I mean, with his problems off the field and everything, I you know we'll see right with Odabel Herrera. Roman Quinn, they don't appear to feel like he really is an everyday player, right? And so, you know, it comes down to Adam Hazley. Is Adam Hazley an everyday guy? Eh. So I think there's still a path for Kingery to get back here, but that was shocking. The Keyboom one, I'm not that surprised with. The Kingery one, I was very surprised. Uh, one other decision, Ray, uh, the Yankees saying that at least the first time through the rotation, uh, we won't see Jamison Talion. Um, you know, Garrett Cole's everybody's pick there, but probably the second guy on the Yankees would be Talion. Uh, does that have you concerned at all? Or do you say, yeah, that's, that's normal. That's nothing too crazy. But again, I, I think for Italian owner, they're going to have to wait until like the sixth or seventh game to see him out there. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes people say, Ray, you know, your, your rankings at fantasy guru are very different on the pitching side than if I go to an ADP list or another website. And I say, yes, they are. And then something like this will happen with Tyone. Well, you know, they'll skip the first start and people say, are you dropping him in your rankings? And I say, no, I already figured he wasn't making 32 starts this year. Like, you know, maybe other sources were saying he was making 32 starts, but that's not my expectation going in. I'm not overly surprised that they're doing this at all. It isn't heartening to hear him do it because all we've heard is positivity with, with Tyone. He's going out yeah. there. He's pitched well, he's felt good. You know, they, they can't get him to throw 70 pitches. Like, okay and so uh, i'm a little inclined to drop him a little bit more on the rankings again i i thought i already baked this in because i wasn't expecting a lot but having it right off the start after all the positivity does have a slight concerning factor to me well and and let it begin ray i mean this is just the first of many guys who are going to have starts skipped and and it's happening in the first week of the season <laughs> we're getting yeah. we're getting starts skipped so uh, you know ray was feeling bad for anybody in a weekly league. Um, this is what you're signing up for every Sunday night or Monday morning when you're making your lineup decisions is it's going to say your guy's starting on Wednesday, but who the hell knows? I mean, that manager gets in there Monday afternoon, he meets with the media and all of a sudden that Wednesday starter, uh, we're going to skip him this week. And you're already stuck with him in your lineup for the week. So, you know, at least we got the tally on news early. Um, you know, we usually get that news early before uh, the, the start of the season. You know, they, they let us know what the plan is for the first weekend. And the Yankees did. They're going to skip them. Uh, won't be the last that we see, no doubt, in 2021. Uh, moving to the cleanup spot in our starting nine, Ray, we'll talk about a guy who uh, won the leadoff spot for his team. Our player profile, taking a look at Enrique Hernandez, new of the Boston Red Sox. Of course, we knew him with the L.A. Dodgers, had some big moments there. Uh, makes the move to Boston this offseason. And, Ray, uh, we found out over the weekend he is indeed going to be the leadoff hitter for the Red Sox. Um, I don't think anybody's expecting the Red Sox in the playoffs, but they still have bats. They still have Bogarts. They still have Martinez. Um, you know, they, they've got guys, Dalbeck, who's shown up. Uh, they've got guys who can hit the baseball, no doubt. Um, let's take a player profile of Enrique Hernandez as a leadoff hitter. What are we looking at for Hernandez this year? We're looking at a failure. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. You know this. I mean, the guy is a, he's an average major league hitter. And if your team is having an average major league hitter, be your leadoff guy, you're screwed. Like I don't, and you know, you can be an average hitter and do one thing. Well, get on base and it's okay. He doesn't get on base. His career on base is three thirteen. That's below the league average. 
below league average. The last two years is on base percentage. 296. Last year, last year was 270. Yeah, <laughs> the last two years. You know, it's 180 games. It's 296. That's horrible. The league average is usually right around 320. It's horrible. And unlike an Alberto Mondesi, who we've talked and joked about hitting leadoff and all that, Hernandez doesn't run. He's not a base stealer. He's not a fast guy. That's not his game either. So what we have is we have a, I want to say a, a Jack Cuss type of hitter, but without on base percentage. Like this is, there's nothing here. This, this one, you look at the, the Red Sox lineup and what they should have done is probably fast forward everything. And by that, I mean, take Hernandez, put him seventh and bump everyone else up a spot. Now, I guess they, you know, you don't really want to have J.D. Martinez hit in second, I guess. You want him in a, in a run-producing spot or whatever. But Alex Verdugo is a much better option than Hernandez to hit leadoff. Should Hernandez hit second then? No, because, again, he's not a very good hitter. Uh, a best-case scenario for, for Hernandez is he hits 250 with 20 home runs and four steals and scores 80 runs because he's hitting leadoff. That's a best-case scenario. And I don't think the best case scenario is likely to play out, Kyle. Yeah, his on-base percentage, he's actually let off a decent amount. Now, you know, it's not the top spot he's been in the order. Usually he's batting seventh or eighth. That's that's how he was always used with the Dodgers. But as a leadoff guy, he's started about 60 games there in his career. It's a 306 on-base percentage. Um, now, it's only 290 plate appearances, so it's like half a season. Uh, but... You sit here and think, Ray, if he's at 306 and hitting 250 come May 1st, is he still leading off? I mean, on the surface, it looks good because, again, all those bats behind him. But it's up to him to get on base. And he's shown in his career he just doesn't know how to do that. So, like, the news is a positive. The news, I, I think, maybe even catches some eyes. And you say, oh, boy, maybe I need. And it's fine to pay attention to him, put him on a watch list. But. The expectations are still really muted with this guy. Yeah, and so the listener knows Kyle basically sets the plan up for these podcasts. He does all <laughs> the hard work, and then I come and just blab on for an hour with him. I was going to write this in an article on Monday because this information has to be told. It has to be discussed, right? So you saved me. Thank you. You saved me having to write he sucks in the, in the article um, because it is big news. I mean, it, and we've talked about this over the years. You get 15 to 20 plate appearances each spot in the order that you move up. So we're talking about hitting seventh. We're talking about hitting first. That's six spots in the order. That's 100 plate appearances he just gained if he plays every day. That's a huge difference to his overall value. Even if he still stinks, even if the on-base percentage batting average aren't good, the extra 100 plate appearances gives him the opportunity to score runs, to drive in runs, et cetera, et cetera. And at the top of the order, those extra plate appearances exponentially increase his ability to score runs because he's not getting 100 right. extra spots you know, down in seventh. He's in front of Bogarts. He's in front of Verdugo. He's in front of J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers if he stays there. So, yeah, he could he could end up being a passable option this year in the fantasy game. But, again, the numbers I threw out there earlier, I legitimately think that's a best-case scenario. So it has to be mentioned, has to be noted. Maybe he surprises, but I'm not saying it. Player profile, taking a look at uh, Enrique Kiki Hernandez there in the four hole. Let's go to the five spot in our starting nine and – you know, Ray, we bring up Hernandez, and although you just uh, hammered home the point that uh, he's not really worth anybody's time right now, uh, there are people going to the waiver wire thinking about Hernandez, thinking about other guys, and we'll get to some of those names here momentarily, but I thought, especially here early in the season with game week upon us, and, and for many, maybe your first waiver period, 
you know, kind of your last look at the waiver wire before the season start. Maybe that's firing up this week. So, Ray, let's talk about um, managing the waiver wire, dealing with the waiver wire, strategies maybe on the waiver wire. Um, everybody is uber active in the month of April. It's, it's Ray, I would say it's the most active month because everybody's still playing. Right. <laughs> so they're paying attention to the news and, and immediately we're finding out roles are different or, oh my gosh, this guy I thought was going to be the closer. Uh, he, he's hurt. And, and, and so I got to dump him and, and let's go get this new guy. Who's the closer. Talk a little about the waiver wire uh, because people are going there for the first time they've had their draft and, and maybe it was weeks ago. And so now they're actually making moves and they can see some guys who had big springs. And, and like I said, we'll get specific with the names, but in general with the waiver wire, kind of what would you tell people about getting through the early days of the season in the month of April? Yeah, I would tell everyone to listen to the January 23rd podcast that talked all about the waiver wire. So there's a whole podcast at fantasy grew on the, again, the 23rd of January, where I spent you know, 35, 40 minutes talking just about the waiver wire. So there's way more detail on that if you want to go listen. Uh, I think generally speaking in the month of, of April, what we run into is it kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier with the Dodgers. Like you're not going to bench your Bueller or Kershaw because they have a difficult matchup, right? You're just not going to do that. You got to get them out there. You're pumped. You're excited. I think the same thing happens on the waiver wire. People are pumped and they're excited. And especially people that are newer to fab, they don't have an understanding really of, where to be and so they get aggressive and all the stuff out there says you should be aggressive because obviously if you get a guy for 26 weeks versus a guy for 12 weeks who helps you more so most people are, are more active and aggressive at the start plus you don't have half the league that feels like you know it's it's may 20th and oh shoot my season's over anyway and they're not really paying attention everyone's in the first couple of runs right so you have to probably be a little bit more aggressive than normal in the month of, of april um, I think that you should be looking long-term here. And by that, I mean, you should be looking at what are the weaknesses of my team after my draft? Maybe you've already had injuries. Maybe the draft didn't play out the way you wanted. What looking long-term here? Um, you know, do you need help at second base at the starting pitching spot, et cetera, et cetera. Cause what I often find Kyle is people go to the waiver wire and they, you know, Taylor Trammell is, is the starter right now for the, the Mariners. So they go spend on him and it's like, he's your sixth outfielder. Like what, why are you doing that? Is he, is he going to be able to hold off Jared Kelnick all season long? Probably not. So I think that people have to be aggressive, but there has to be controlled aggression, if that makes sense. Well, and, and to back to your point about how aggressive people are in April, um, you know, we all want the the hot to trot starter who begins the year three and zero with a 0.8 ERA or the guy who, unbeknownst to any of us, goes out and gets three saves in the first week of the season. And so there's always you know, a feverish run for those guys. But Ray, we tend to focus so much on who you can get off the waiver wire. And I don't think there's near enough focus on the question of who are you dropping to make that move. And especially in April, you need to be just as way more careful, not just as way more careful with who you're dropping to add these hot players in April than actually who you're getting in the, in the month of April. I've, you know, there are some big mistakes made because it is a long season. Guys can have slow first weeks, second weeks, third weeks, and still have an all-star year. So, so you need to be very careful as well with who you're, who you're letting go to make these moves. Absolutely. Uh, and that is a great point because it's usually not talked about. Um, the, again, the, the move here has to be, it has to be understood. What are you trying to accomplish? What is the goal of the move? Is the move to 
Jazz Chisholm because you're thinking you need help up the middle. And he named second baseman of the Marlins. Okay, fine. That makes sense. Who are you dropping to, to make the move? Are you saying, well, you know, I'm looking at my second base spot and I'm just not feeling Jonathan VR because he's got that issue with his, his you know, groin or whatever it is. I'm going to drop him. Okay, but which guy's got a better chance to steal 30 bases this year? Isn't that the reason you drafted VR in the first place? Now, not that, you know, Jazz can't run because he can. Is he going to hold the job? Is he going to be there all season long? And why would you be dropping VR to do that? VR also qualifies at multiple positions in some setups too, right? Do you want to give that up? Maybe Jazz does too, maybe not. So yeah, it's the idea of balancing my positional need with the, the need of the player. And what often happens, and this will be obviously three weeks from now, we'll be dealing with this a lot. You know, Garrett Hampson will be hitting 183 and everyone will drop him everywhere, right? And it's like, no, he's playing every day. That's the part you need yeah. to pay attention to. That's not that the key. Is he yeah. playing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, if if you're you know Whit Merrifield and you're struggling, no one cares. But those guys that were taken in the 18th, 23rd round, those guys all of a sudden get jettisoned. And we've talked about this through the years so many times. What ends up happening is you end up in this vicious cycle of player A for three weeks, player B for three weeks, player C for three weeks, and you go to the end. And at the end, you put together a 240 hitter with 18 home runs. And you know if you just had stuck with Dylan Moore at the start, you would have hit 250 with 22 home runs or whatever it is. So. It is, it is, it has to be thought of clearly when you're making that move. Sometimes not making a move is just as important as making a move. Well, and, and when we talk about this stuff, we kind of have to baseline everything. And, and our baseline usually, like, if, if you're in a 12-team mixed league, you know, because some of you are in 10-team leagues, some of you are in mono leagues, some of you are in 15, 16-team leagues, but in general, we just say a 12-team league. And I'm going to say this, Ray, and I, I know two weeks from now, somebody will say, what about this guy? But... um, in general, if I'm in a 12-team league and I drafted a guy to be my starter, whether it's outfielder, infielder, pitching, I, I can bench that guy. I'm not going to drop him. If they're playing, like you noted, I, I've got to keep those guys. Now, injuries can change things. If I have major issues elsewhere and you know some guy's just hitting 115, okay, well, then I'll make the move. But in general, I, I think you give all those guys you drafted at starters, you got to give them at least a month. Even the guys who are, are maybe on the barrier of, well, I didn't really like this guy, and I got him in the 18th round. I, I would still recommend people give him a month. Um, the only spot I'd say is maybe catcher. If if I've got a catcher who just isn't hitting or has lost playing time, and there's a catcher out there who is hitting and is getting playing time, I might make a move there and dump my starter uh, to get that other catcher. But I, I think patience is a virtue in, in the month of April. And, and beyond that, the other part I think is very important with the waiver wire in April. Pay attention to who is being dropped. Not just your guys, who you're getting and who you're dropping. But, Ray, you'll see some names fall off that waiver list, and you're going to want to gobble them up immediately. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if you didn't make a waiver move during the process, uh, you know, on your Sunday night, and you say, ah, I have no reason to check out the waiver wire. I didn't, I didn't need anything it's always important to go back Monday morning and see who has dropped. You'll be surprised at some of the names that other people in your league are giving up on. Yeah. I know that Jeff Manns, our buddy at fantasy guru, he actually goes and writes, he's got a binder like you, Kyle, keeping score. He's got a binder where he writes down who was released. What I do is I go in because almost all these systems, once the fab runs, you can start putting bids in for the following week. I'll go in there and I'll, I'll just list the players. I won't even list a player I'm going to drop yet, right? I'll just go in there and say, oh, these six guys got dropped. I'll spend, you know, $2 on this guy, $2 on this guy, $2, and just get them all in there. 
hit save, and then I can go back on Saturday and look at, you know, oh, what's happened during the week and that kind of thing. But keeping track of who is released is absolutely key. Everyone focuses on the trades. Everyone focuses on what I'm doing, but you got to pull back and look because a lot of times people do make rash decisions. They make bad decisions. They make poor decisions. And you need to be able to take advantage of that because in the start, especially the start of the year, depending upon how you're searching for players, you know, these players that get dropped, you know, if they're, if they're went one for 16 in week one and you're searching batting average, they're at the bottom of the list. You're yeah. never going to see them. So make sure that you note when the fab bids and all that run who the players released were. And the last thing on this, um, know your waiver wire rules. Um, I say this as somebody who's been in dozens of leagues on dozens of sites. I'm still confused every year at, at certain sites. Like, how do they work? You know, how does this machine decide who gets the player? Um, it's different from site to site. And even an experienced hand, you almost have to reteach yourself. Um, you know, you're used to one way and then you go to another spot and it's just different. So be careful. Know your rules. It's the start of the season. Be on top of things. Uh, we'll, of course, be talking so much more about the waiver wire here on the podcast every week, especially with that weekend show. Uh, kind of looking ahead, guys, you may be adding. So uh, expect to have a ton of that throughout the season. Now, moving to the sixth spot here in the order, Ray, let's get to the specifics. Because as I noted, some people may have drafted a month ago and there's one waiver process run and it may be taking place this week before the start of the season. Um, there are a lot of names who have emerged in the last four weeks. Um, I don't think any of these are MVP players, but they're guys that, People are paying attention to, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is the easy one. A month ago, nobody was drafting him. Here we are at the start of the season. And even though he's starting an A ball, people are drafting him. So he's available in a lot of places. You mentioned like Jonathan India with the Reds, Taylor Trammell with the Mariners. Uh, we had guys like Josh Fuentes and Josh Rojas just kill it in spring training. They were undrafted. Uh, Dalton Jeffries with Oakland. He may win the fifth starting spot. He's been great in spring training. How active are you going for some of these young guys? Are, are you really interested in any of these guys? Yeah, I think the, the, the way I'd be interested in these guys would be if I have open roster spots. I mentioned the case of Kingery and having to replace him. And then I talked about, you know, guys I was putting on the injured list. And that's another thing, too. Not all providers, you know, I'm in tout wars. On Roto has no one on wait on the injured list yet. Um, Steve Gardner, who runs Labor, uh, realized that you know the providers don't have players on the injured list yet. He went in and manually did it, and he sent out a list of these forty guys. Like great work by Steve, like that that makes everyone's life so much easier because you're at the mercy of when these sites decide to put the guys on the injured list. And and, and uh, let me interrupt you yeah. real quickly, just for those who don't know, Thursday morning, which is game day, first game of the first games of the year. That is usually when the teams set their roster, like they turn it into Major League Baseball. And that's usually when you hear, uh, you know, George Springer, he's on the IL. Right now, we don't know what's up with George Springer. Maybe he's going to start the season. Maybe we find out on Tuesday that he will be on the IL. But until that's turned in Thursday morning, Ray, a lot of these providers, to your point, will not have George Springer listed as on the IL until it's official, until baseball says it's official. Yeah, and I mean, I can't disagree with that. And people ask the question all the time. I'm glad you laid it out there. The, the answer is before the first game. Yes. <laughs> they don't have to do it now. It'd make our lives easier, but they don't have to. And so I think that the names that you mentioned for me really are in those leagues where you do have guys already on that list. Because I don't want to drop, you know, I don't want to drop players that I drafted, right? I'm not going to go out and drop, you know, 
I'm trying to think of someone. Ryan Yarbrough. I'm not going to drop him to go get add Dalton Jeffries. Now, if I have on my team Noah Syndergaard and he's already on the injured list, well, then sure, take that spot and add a Dalton Jeffries. That's fine. You can give that opportunity if that's the way you want to go. But I'm, I'm not dropping established players for the level of these guys because, you know, we talked about India earlier. Eh. Bobby Witt Jr., no idea when he's going to be up. Um, you know, he's, he's four years old and he has no major league experience. We've <laughs> talked, we talked about him in a previous podcast. Um, Trammell, who I mentioned, like, you know, if Hanniger is healthy, if Lewis is healthy, where does Kellenic play in, in Trammell's spot? I have to think now Lewis is already beat up and is Hanniger going to stay healthy? Are they going to do a trade? I can't predict Trammell even being in the lineup long-term. Um, I think Alejandro Kirk is probably the most interesting name on this list. If you're in a two-catcher league, he was drafted, though. If you're in a one-catcher league, like, you know, who are you going to drop? Are you going to drop a top-10 guy to take a chance on a rookie who may hit 290 this year, but he may also have 220 plate appearances? Like, well, let, let, let's say your catcher is Carson Kelly. Okay. Would, would you drop Carson Kelly to take a shot on Kirk? You just think he's a better hitter? <sighs> you could. And, in fact... Yeah. I think and, I and that, that speaks yeah. to the catcher position. Yeah. You're, it, you're kind of playing a hot hand approach there. You are. And again, Christian, like is Christian Kirk a catcher one right now? The answer is absolutely not. In my opinion, at least could he be a catcher one this year? Well, he could, you know, Jansen hasn't taken the step forward with the bat and Kirk just keeps hitting and they love Kirk in Toronto and, you know, maybe right. And then he's, you know, he's hitting 290 with 13 home runs, right? That's not very good. It's catcher 11. He just did it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, right? He could have 47 RBIs. He could still be there. So, the, the, so yeah, as a second catcher, if you want to drop him for Carson, if you want to drop Carson Kelly, if you wanted to drop Danny Jansen, if you wanted to drop, you know, Tom Murphy, go for it. Like, I, but in terms of, am I going to drop Sean Murphy or Christian Vasquez or any of these guys? No, you can't be dropping those kind of guys. I'm really, and I'm not in a league that has a preseason fab, but Ray, I'd love to see some of the uh, fab spending and bidding on Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, don't you, you just know, and Ray's not recommending this. I'm not recommending this, but Ray, don't you just know people are going to spend 70% of their budget on him if he's available right now? Well, the thing, the thing with him, and you know this, the thing with Wit is the only shot you have to get him and not spend half your budget is to do it now. It's the only shot you have because the moment he gets called up, if he's available, everyone's doing that. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to take the chance that, you know, this week I can get him for 30%, let's say. You want to take that chance and then just waste a roster spot because you can't put him on the IL. Okay, if you have a minor league slot, he would have been drafted. Okay. So what do you do? You just waste a roster spot. You can, it's up to you. But if you make that commitment, if you're spending 30% of your budget, you can't then two weeks from now drop them. You can't, you have to hold them. I just don't want to end up being in that spot, Kyle. That's the sixth spot in our order. Let's make the move to the seven hole, get you up to date on some other MLB news and notes. Uh, Miles Straw, kind of questionable, uh, at least a bit for opening day. He's being held out during, uh, due to protocols. Uh, they're doing some COVID tracing there with Houston. So right now, Miles Straw, who a lot of people drafted for speed, uh, we'll have to see on him. Uh, speaking of speed, Kyle Lewis is now uncertain for opening day. He's got a knee issue. Uh, update from Toronto. Robbie Ray is going to miss his first start with that elbow issue. And George Springer is now swinging off a tee. 
Uh, Ray, I don't know if that makes him good or not for opening day, but I guess it's a step in the right direction with George Springer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I tried to talk to Jim Bone on Sunday night about this too. And he's like, uh, like, you know, he was the same <laughs> way you and I are. It's like, this doesn't really make sense. And he told, he flat out said to the listeners, if, if I was the GM of the Blue Jays, he would start the year on the IL period. Yeah. I'd want him to have 10 days just to do nothing and get better and not have it be an issue in three weeks. So, um, I, I don't know what that one, Kyle, you and I've talked about it. I don't know. I am I'm, I'm not confident that he's playing 25 games in the month of April. I'm just not. Yeah. Now, take a look at your backup outfielders. You may need them this week immediately. If you own George Springer, speaking of obliques, Anthony Santander with Baltimore, uh, he's hoping to be ready for opening day. He's missed the last four or five days with a, I guess you can call it a grade one strain. Uh, again, Springer was listed as grade two, which would be much more severe, but Santander thinks he's going to be ready for opening day. We'll see with him. Uh, let's see. King Felix with Baltimore. We talked about uh, Felix Hernandez uh, just the other day in our random reference. He has elected to become a free agent. So we'll see if anybody takes a shot on the veteran. And uh, finally, Ray, the Texas Rangers. Um, a bit of a question mark as to whether or not Rognet Odor makes this roster. That's a dude making like 13 million this year, but uh, some question is if he's even going to be on the team opening day. He's such a fascinating guy, right? Like he always has streaks where he's horrible. He always has streaks where he's hot. If you play him every day, he hits 30 home runs and steals 10 bases, right? Like, but it's with holes. Um, we were talking earlier about, you know, Kiki Hernandez. Uh, it's a similar kind of game with Odor, more power, more speed, but the same holes in batting average on base percentage. And, you know, after a while, I think you just kind of wear you wear your welcome out, Kyle. Right? Yeah. Like, how many times can the the the, the Rangers watch Odor roll over a ball and dribble at the second base when it's like, dude, hit it the other way? How many times can they they walk watch him swing at a pitch at six inches outside just because he can hit it? It's like, no, you got to stop doing that. And um, quite frankly, he's been a bad offensive player the last couple of years, just bad. Um, and so I'm not shocked to hear that. I'm surprised. And he is only 27 years old. It's really that's shocking. That's crazy, isn't right? it? Yeah. And and right now they're trying him out at third base. Um, there's not a perfect option if you don't go <laughs> with him at third base. I think Brock Holt is on this team, so maybe he would get some time. But um, they don't have, like, an obvious choice at third base. So maybe Odor. And I think he still does make this team, but it at least became a question mark. I think Chris Woodward was asked about it this weekend and he said, eh, I don't know. And he expected him to say, yeah, he's going to be on this team, but at least some hesitation in uh, giving that answer. Let us now move to the uh, eight spot in the order, Ray, and it's time for our random reference. And uh, I clicked the button over at baseball reference and boom, the first player. It's a good one. Ooh. It's a good one today. The random reference, another pitcher, um, a guy who actually won 18 games in 2002 finished fourth in the AL Cy Young vote, talking about Jared Washburn. Mm. Yes, Ray, there was a moment where Jared Washburn was like a stud in the fantasy game. That that 2002 season, he was a monster. Yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm just pulled him up as you're talking. He's, God, he's a year younger than I am. That's how old I am. Jeez, <laughs> he seems very old. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he did have a, he'd had that great year and he was, he was, you know, he was solid the year after he threw over 200 innings. Did lead the league in home runs allowed. That was the one black mark on his uh, his whole game there. He was a classic old school innings eater. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he never never was great. You know, two games under 500 for his career. But he was constantly throwing 175, 90 innings year after year. And, you know, kept the team in the game most of the time without doing anything overly exciting. 
other than that one year of 2002, he never did anything in the fantasy game that really stood out. But the Angels and the, and the Mariners were always happy to have him taking the ball every five games. Well, and we should note, Ray, this happens every single year, does it not? There, there's going to be a Jared Washburn this season, a guy who somehow falls into 16 victories, um, a guy who's somehow like we're talking about innings constantly. And it's like, man, is anybody going to get 200? There will be a guy, Ray, that falls into like 190 innings this year. Like, and, and we didn't really expect it. He'll turn in a three, four ERA mm-hmm. and a one, two whip. It won't be anything like flabbergastingly awesome, but it'll be Jared Washburn-esque. You know, <laughs> there will be a guy in 2021 that kind of pulls off that campaign. Yeah, there will be. And I mean, you just, uh, an example, I pulled up 2019 and I just, this name popped up, Mike Fires. Mike Fires been around forever. Everyone had kind of streamed Mike Fires at some point or another, I think, over the years, right? 2019, he went 15 and four through 184 innings. No one saw that coming. I mean, you know, come on. So yeah, it, it does, it does happen. And it's, it's kind of random. Um, but the, you know, the profile, right? Just like, you know, fires and Washburn, same kind of profile, a guy that takes the ball, some stability there, not sexy, but uh, these major league teams, they need innings. You know, that's one thing that we have seen in, in the recent years. Of course they need innings and not every team is the Dodgers guy. Maybe a uh, John Lester will turn back. the Who clock. Knows? He's got no reason to hold on to anything. He's 37, so time to just let it loose. Uh, moving from our random reference, we'll close down the podcast with our stamp of approval. Ray, what gets your stamp of approval today? My significant other. Um, oh, wow. Well, and I can't just give it to her because that's too obvious. But uh, <laughs> what she did for me, my birthday's coming up this week. Um, and April 1st. April yes. 1st, and it's a big date for you too, Kyle, right? Yeah, first day I uh, met my future and current wife. Did that. So it's a big day here for the L. Franken Flowers families. And uh, she knows my love of tiki. I think everyone knows my love of tiki, right? Um, so my stamp of approval actually goes to Smuggler's Cove, which is you've never been there, Kyle, but it is, it might be the greatest tiki situation there is because it's not just a great tiki bar. The drinks are fantastic. They're all handcrafted, all that. The reason I bring that up is because they have, they're not open. It's, you know, we're not able to do things out here in California. Other people are. So they actually sell their drinks that you can pick up. So she went up to San Francisco uh, yesterday, got me you know, a trade winds, a zombie, a hurricane, a, a sidewinder fang. And what they, they do is the flowers house. I know. And what, they, but this is the best part, Kyle. I, I should post a picture of this for everyone. What they do is they make the drink while you stand there outside, you order, they make the drink. Okay. They're making it as you're ordering it and they put it in a beer can. Okay. <laughs> And they seal it up so it's an unopened beer can. So she comes home with these five beer cans of absolute tiki wonder. <laughs> and they have grated nutmeg that they give you on the side for this drink. And wow. so it's they craft it, they do it there. They tell you to drink it within two days for best freshness. Uh, so I have four, I drank one last night. I now have four beer cans that are not beer in my fridge. Smuggler's Cove and my significant other. Well, you better hurry, Ray. You've only got like 24 hours to finish off those four drinks. No, tonight's gonna yeah. be fun. I mean, you can mail one to me. I'll, I'll be glad. I don't care if it's five days old. I'll, okay. I'll take a shot. Right. Uh, my stamp of approval will go to a uh, a service that I think everybody hates now. Um, but I, I had a home draft yesterday, Ray, me and my buddies. And I will say because of this service, we had, dare, dare I say, our fastest draft ever. I mean, th- this draft usually is like eight hours long. It, it was done in like four and a half hours. It's crazy. Wow. Why is that? It's because of Zoom. I just got to say it, right? It's because of Zoom. Everybody hates Zoom. Mm-hmm. But yesterday we flew through this thing. We had fun. It worked. 
uh, whether you were young or old, you knew how to download. And I, I get it. Everybody's tired of it. Nobody likes to be on Zoom rooms. But, Ray, it worked magnificently. So while everybody's hammering Zoom, um, I'll, I'll just remind people it actually can help in a lot of situations. We're using Zoom for this podcast, too. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's uh, there's there's tech issues and things like that around. And, and no there's one, a backlash right now on Zoom. There is. Yeah. And I don't think anyone really wants to do teleconference calls the rest of their life. So there's probably some anger for that, too. But it yeah. does have its uses, and uh, we're taking advantage of them. I can't remember what company, but uh, one of the biggies said uh, they're instituting a rule. Fridays um, are like non-Zoom days now. Really? Yeah, everybody wow. gets Fridays off from Zoom. So maybe that will be the uh, lay of the land in the next year or so. Uh, commercial break for us. Um, as we send you to commercial break, uh, today's March 29th. So time is running out uh, to save on a Fantasy Guru and Elite Fantasy, Elite Sports Betting. Uh, just a couple of days left with that deal, right, Ray? Yeah, exactly. A couple of days left for the promo code BLUE10, B-L-U-E-1-0, BLUE10. Uh, that'll be good through the end of March. After that, of course, we still sell the product, but the discount goes away. So still time for you to get the football package at Fantasy Guru. As Kyle noted, if you want to go uh, to elite sports betting and get involved in the sport and uh, the sports betting angle, we can use Blue 10 there. And you can also use it at uh, elitefantasy.com. And we do have at fantasyguru.com right now. Uh, we post them on Friday, a couple of articles from Jeff Manns uh, talking about the DFS game. Uh, trying to wet your whistle, if you will. Hopefully, you'll you know, go over there and get the package at EliteFantasy.com as well. But an intro to cash games and as well as an intro to Daily Fantasy Baseball. Jeff spends uh, 10,000 words going through what these terms mean, what, what, what angles and games you should be thinking of playing, how to manage your bankroll. So those are up at Fantasy Guru. And if you want to get involved more deeply, you can go to EliteFantasy.com, use that promo code BLUE10 and get yourself a discount. Sounds good. Sounds good. Take advantage of it, folks. It also gives you access to us. Uh, this one's free on Monday, but uh, like we said, we have a midweek, we have a weekend show. So if you want all of it, if you want all of the Oracle you can handle, uh, got to be a subscriber to get those extra podcasts. As we head out the pod door, Ray, remind the folks where they can find you. Instagram is at the Ray Flowers and on Twitter at Baseball Guys. And in the chat room, um, Rob Povia, I should pull this up as we're talking here. Uh, Rob Povia will be in the chat room live this week. We'll actually hopefully have him on as a guest on uh, Saturday as well to talk about his weekly planner uh, piece that goes through all two-start pitchers, matchups, all that kind of stuff. He'll be doing live advice on the 31st of March. Let me make sure that is. Yes, it is Wednesday from 12 to 1 Eastern. He'll be in the chat room live for that hour. I'll be live in the chat room from 5 to 6 Eastern on Friday. So you can ask the question anytime. I'm basically you know surfing all day. But Rob will be there at 12 to 1 on Wednesday on Eastern time. I'll be there 5 to 6 Eastern. So we'll be there for an hour straight having a party. Okay. Sounds good. I'm glad I'm not there. Nah, I kid. I kid. I kid. <laughs> uh, not on Instagram or Twitter, too. Ray does all that stuff. Um, that'll do it for us. Does it for the podcast. Hopefully, we did it for you today. Again, we are back later this week. We'll be uh, joining you on Wednesday, which is one day away from opening day. We're going to break it all down for you here on the Baseball League Podcast. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>